And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It's Tuesday, May 9th. It's a Project Prospect edition. Derek and Riper, Eno Saris, Chris Welsh here with you. Digging into some promotions, some demotions, some recent arrivals, and all sorts of other things focused on the long term, mostly, and, and young players, of course. And we're going to begin today talking about Bryce Miller, because last week, just prior to his debut, we didn't talk about Bryce Miller. Two starts in the book so far, wildly different results between what he was doing in AA and what he's done early on here with Seattle, and at least his simple question how good is Bryce Miller? Now, you know, I'm going to throw it to you first because there are some interesting layers to the pitch mix with Bryce Miller that might still be in development. Yeah, I got a chance to talk to him after his Oakland start, and uh, we'll have a piece on this with Corey Brock coming out later this week. Uh, that'll go more into depth into all this and, and how he's developed it and uh, what he's come through in terms of the minors and, and what they've uh, done with his pitch mix. But what was pretty interesting is when you're looking at, you know, say Savant or Fangraphs, it says that he's uh, throwing a four seamer, a slider, a sweeper and a changeup. Um, and that's sort of what he told me, but it doesn't what he told me doesn't really line up with uh, what I'm looking at. So what he told me was he throws a gyro slider. So that's the 87 to 89 mile an hour uh, pitch that's called a slider on Fangraphs and Baseball Savant and Brooks. The slider there is a gyro slider, so it's hard. It has less movement than usual, and it's all about command and putting it in the right place, uh, and it's more effective against the lefties than the sweeper. Can you so, explain the difference between, like, because they also designated as a cutter in the first start. What differentiates a cutter so people can know from a gyro like what makes it a gyro and us not just calling it a hard slider or cutter uh well generally it doesn't have a good it doesn't have a good active spin it doesn't um so for example his slider has 25 percent active spin um and so it's basically not turning the spin into movement and uh, that's a way you can spot a gyro slider um, another way that you can uh, spot it is that it has more drop than a cutter um, and and actually less horizontal movement. So if you look at his slider uh, on Savant, you'll see it has two inches less horizontal movement than the average slider. And if you're looking for a cutter, if there was if that was mislabeled as a cutter, it would should have I don't know six inches more horizontal movement or at least as much average movement as a slider, right? Because the cutter is supposed to be zip. You know, it's supposed to be like a, a one plane. You know, uh, sideways movement. Um, so to the fact that it has less sideways movement than cutters and sliders, uh, suggests to me that it's a gyro slider and the closest you get to kind of zero, zero, 
uh, on Brooks. Uh, that's a gyro sire. It's a bullet. It's supposed to be bullet spin. It's supposed to just, it's supposed to be just basically as straight as possible. And the idea is that's super easy to command, useful against both sides and hard. So it comes off. He's got the 96 monar fastball. He's got the 86, 87 monar slider. And it's a different velo, but when it comes out of his hand, looks like the fastball uh, and moves differently from the fastball. So that's the gyro slider. Now, what they have on Savant as the sweeper, I don't believe is his sweeper because he told me that he has a basically like a power curve, like a curveball that is 81 miles an hour and has two plane movement. And if you look at Savant, the sweeper, they said it has eight inches more drop than the average sweeper. So that to me already says that's not a sweeper. Sweeper is supposed to be much more one plane. It's supposed to be, it has a little bit of depth, uh, but it's it's more about its horizontal movement. Now look at his sweeper. It has uh, less horizontal break uh, than the average sweeper. So what he told me was he, his uh, curveball is basically a depthy sweeper. So uh, I guess that's why uh, Savant is capturing it this, this way. But as you can see, it's a two plane pitch. Now, if you go over to Brooks Baseball and do a scatter chart, you can see that one of his uh, curveballs, uh, as they've got listed there, or sweepers as they have on Savant, uh, is closer to the zero line and has five inches less drop than his other sweepers. So I, if I had to guess, I would say he's thrown one sweeper and the rest are curveballs. And why does that matter? I think it's uh, it's a lot of it's more pitches than people think. I you know he's not uh, just a four seam gyro slider guy. He's obviously more than that. And the two changeups he has thrown have been beautiful in terms of movement um, and a lot of horizontal movement for a guy that has a s extreme over the top head tilt kind of release uh, to get good horizontal movement on the changeup is difficult. Um, and I see a full arsenal. I'm so excited that you got this too, because uh, I've been talking about Bryce Miller since, you know, uh, spring training. I've been very high on him and it hasn't matched up what he told me because he told me the exact same thing he's telling you. He's like, I throw two sliders now, a gyro and a sweeper. And in that first start, when you go and look and I saw that the sweeper usage was so up, I hadn't been able to wrap my head around what was going on and what you he said yeah it, it, yeah he said his sweeper was like uh like a couple weeks old yeah he know? said he wasn't comfortable with it when i spoke to him in yeah, spring exactly. training that he was still like working on it so you and i were talking before this and even trying to speculate because i thought that sweeper might be the curveball which does dispel exactly what you just said the kind of like hey could he be the next spencer strider because he's a two-pitch pitcher he is dominant fastball but he's got these two other offerings and what it also tells you is you haven't seen the fourth pitch yet, or fifth pitch, if you talk about if you were to start throwing the changeup, the sweeper hasn't been there. One of the most fascinating things about this, though, and I'm excited to hear it because I haven't even heard it, is we've been trying to dissect what the hell happened in the minor leagues because we didn't get any AAA numbers. You said you talked to him, and there was some information about, and he said what his struggles were in AA, correct? Yeah, there's a little bit of a developmental thing. We talk about this sometimes in the minor leagues that, um, you know, some people will just want to throw away minor league stats and say, oh, they're always working on stuff and it's inconsistent, uh, uh, you know, um, matchups and, you know, you can't really use minor league stats. I am not in that camp. Uh, however, this does, uh, this, this story will tell you that there are some problems with minor league stats. And one is, he said the, the invective was throw strikes, throw sliders, throw strikes. 
And so he has a beautiful fastball, of course, because he's got that over the top, extreme over the top, a lot of ride. In fact, I think when I last looked, most ride among fastballs, amongst fastballs start, thrown by starters. So like already like already number one on a leaderboard. Um, and, uh, and and so he has that fastball and they're trying to figure out the correct slider mix, which we are already like being like, eh, does he throw three? Does he throw two? <laughs> like, what is going on here? So and they're trying to get him to learn the sweeper. And he said, you know developmentally the first thing that he encountered in the minor leagues was everyone has to throw a gyro slider that's the thing and that's from research that likes stuff plus that says that the 87 mile hour slider there's a bit there's not a bad 87 mile hour slider out there and so everybody uh was trying to throw the gyro slider and he said the newest thing is i gotta throw a sweeper because everyone's throwing a sweeper so i'm trying to throw a sweeper but you know uh you know i can't always command it and so he said that um a it was all about throwing strikes and throwing sliders B, he was throwing sweepers in 0-2 and 1-2 counts. And uh, that, instead of turning into whiffs, it was turning into soft contact. Um, And then C, he said that really strangely, you you expect to have a game where the wind's blowing out and every infield hit, every, every squibber is a hit. You know, you expect to have that once in a while. He said, my first three games were all that. (laughs) <laughs> he said the the wind was blowing out 40 miles an hour in two of his games. Uh, and every sweeper he threw turned into a little squibber that turned into a hit. And uh, he said, he's, he's not, you know, he's, it's just one of those things that you kind of laugh it off. And so there's like developmental issues along with just like weird park factor stuff and like just noise. And something uh, to add to it with those as well is how awesome that rotation is um, that they've got in the minors right now at double A, that Arkansas rotation, Emerson Hancock, Prelander Baroa and Taylor Dollard. Guess what? All these guys have over five ERAs right now. Prelander, um, 34 strikeouts in 22 innings, but he's got a 516 ERA. Emerson Hancock, 516 ERA, 31 strikeouts in 22 innings. Just maybe putting that out there, if there is a uh, a narrative of you just throw middle strikes and they are they are actually making big adjustments, might be part of the reason why you see guys like Dollard and Prelander and Emerson have a little bit more inflated stats. And that, are it, there- it seems, across the board. How their walk rates compared to the past, because maybe there's maybe there's like a developmental uh, thing there to just be like, hey, let's reduce walk rates right now. Because if you look at Bryce Miller, it's the best walk rate of his minor league career. Yeah, I think you know? Prelanders is up. I was looking on MLB mm. Pipeline so I can see it all together. Um, you can see. Well, actually, you know what? It looks like a couple of them are up right now because Prelander okay. and Emerson. Emerson Hancock has the worst of his career, which isn't uh, helping. But it's also or, or the thing could be, hey, we all need to throw the sweeper. And so they're all trying to throw the sweeper and maybe they can't command it. And check this out. (laughs) Emerson Hancock last year at double A. He's actually been in double A for three straight years because of injuries and stuff. 98 innings last year had an 8.42 K per nine. This year in double A, a 12.31 K per nine. So massive, massive, massive K numbers have gone up. Maybe it's a sweeper over and over again, you know, because that's an organizational thing that we... We heard somewhere else that the Mariners and Yankees are basically just throwing. They're te- teaching everybody the sweeper. They're not even. They're not even going with the kind of sinker, sweeper, cutter thing. They're just like teaching everybody the sweeper. I mean, if you look at it, you would. I, I said to Bryce Miller, "Is like I thought from your angle, you know, from your arm angle, the sweeper wasn't a thing." And he's like, "Maybe, maybe not, but I'm going to try to learn it." You know, um, so maybe he settles in and it's just curveball, gyro slider, and uh, fastball. But the changeup has a great shape. And uh, the, I don't think the command is actually an issue. 
Um, and uh, I'm all systems go on him. So, you know, I, I dropped $38 on him in, or $37 on him in, in uh, AL Labor because I really needed a starter. And the starters had been going for like $33, $34. I'm going to get some money back from Jeffrey Springs. And, you know, I, 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 the, the time has passed is one of those things that came up real quickly near the end of a weekend. And, uh, you know, we talked about it some on uh, him, some on the cast, but I'm, I'm all in. It's tricky to me because I, I think minor league numbers for a variety of different reasons are not helpful. I'm going to say they're nearly useless on the screen if you're watching us on YouTube. The the AA affiliate of the Mariners is not a part of the league that's using the pre-tacked balls. That's part of the su- the Southern League is using the pre-tacked balls. And I think it was Kyle Glazer. Yeah, Kyle Glazer at Baseball America had a good story about a week ago about the impact of uh, the pre-tacked balls jumping walk rates and causing all sorts of problems. Uh, also increasing strikeouts, I believe. Too. Yeah, Andrew Abbott was went from had a twenty yeah. percent K per nine that dropped to twelve when he went to AAA after that. Yeah, and and it's, it, he points out that with the pre-tack ball, Andrew Abbott was getting three extra inches of carry on his four-seam fastball while he was at AA, and then that of course went away when he went to AAA, and the ball changed. And it's like we take a look at these results and we're like, okay, double A, tearing up double A. That should be a good thing. Yeah, it I used had so to be. many Andrew Abbott questions. And we got to triple A, I was looking at the numbers and was like, I don't see anything here. <laughs> it's so strange because of the way that there are different rules, different balls, different all these different variables. And then, of course, we've talked a little about minor league park factors and uh, different elevations, all that kind of stuff. But then also on top of that, I think it bridges the gap between some of the things we're seeing with the Mariners prospects, maybe some of the things that are going on with Todd Bradley right now. The strategies in the minors are very specific to player development and not necessarily to throwing what you're comfortable with, throwing what you're good at and winning. Right. Winning doesn't matter in the minor leagues. It matters that you can execute what you need to execute to help the big league club down the road. That's the goal. And I think it's led a lot of people to say, what's going on with Taj Bradley? We've got a few mailbag questions about him. It's been a couple of pretty rough outings for him. At AAA Durham, just like three Ks in five and two-thirds innings. One of those starts lasted one inning, 12 earned runs allowed. And on top of all of that, I thought part of the reason he was going down was to shift to a five, uh, five-day five rotation schedule. That hasn't happened yet. Still going six days. It's crazy. I, I went, I've been really like sitting on this one and trying to figure out what's going on with Taj Bradley. So I'm going to throw this out and Eno can speak to all of it. I I've been thinking... There has to be something different, kind of like what we're talking about here. There's a, there's an initiative with Bryce Miller, right? I felt like there had to be an initiative more than the five days that have led to some lack of results in Taj Bradley from where he was. And there's some big usage differences. So I'm going to just take his last start in the major leagues, uh, which was up against the Astros. That was obviously a tough matchup. He was. This was his usage. 45% cutter. Number one pitch was cutter. It had a 30% whiff rate. Bam. He was 40% forcing fastball, uh, pretty low CSW strikeout percentage, and he was 13% curveball. Absolutely no changeups. His curveball was pretty weak. It had no whiffs. It had a CSW of 18. So we now then go to the minors, and this is where things get interesting. In his crap start, where he got blown up and went one inning, he threw 41 pitches in there. He was fastball, forcing fastball, 56% with a cutter usage down to 39%. Maybe that's not like too insane in, in the instance of 
um, you know, in the forties on both those other pitches, but you can see the gap. Yeah. You can see the gap widening change up and curveball. He threw one a piece in that start. So now we go to the next one. The next one, he threw 75 pitches, 56% four seam fastball. Again, that was the big pitch cutter came down to under 30%. It was 28% usage this time. Curveball still barely used only 4%, but the changeup came up to 12% usage. So what we see here are two things, three things, curveball going away, changeup used more and four seam being the dominant pitch. These, all these things have happened in his last two starts versus the major leagues, which leads me to think that was the initiative of what they wanted him to do. Eno can actually speak to this via stuff plus and what's seen. But I think if you're looking, Hey, what's the problem here? His usage is completely changing from the success he saw in the majors, but the Rays may have found something that they wanted to tweak now, and that might be leading to some of these problems we're seeing in the minors where he's getting beat up. He's given up 12 earned runs in his last two starts, you know. Yeah, and if you look at the results or the Stuff Plus, you can see why they want to de-emphasize the curve. It has a 273 batting average against, a 546 slugging, a 273 ISO against, that curveball and uh, it by stuff plus it's his worst pitch. Um, so, you know, in fact, everything that they're doing right now is uh, would you could say was optimizing uh, for stuff plus the, you know, in terms of uh, his fastball being the best pitch that he's got uh, the cutter being the second best pitch and the changeup being pretty decent um, and the curveball being below average. So they're, they're de-emphasizing the curveball, they're re-emphasizing the fastball and all of those things make sense. The I guess the the sort of uh, the asterisk that's forming for me is there's some pretty poor fastball command numbers in here, and uh, I guess I'm I was kind of surprised by that, and I think the reason that uh, he is using the cutter so much is he can command it better than his fastball. So that's he came up and he's in the major leagues and he had to put the pitch in a certain place, so he used the cutter a ton, you know. Uh, but the fastball is superior. So in essence, they're doing the oldest thing in the book. They're asking him to work on his fastball command. <laughs> and that's Which... why his walk rate is through the roof. Uh, and they're doing that at the same time as maybe trying to to reestablish his, his, uh, his spot in the rotation every five days. So uh, none of this sounds very hopeful, uh, maybe, but I'm still hopeful. Uh, I looked at his stuff, uh, plus per start and in his last start, it was a, a 119. Um, and the, even with the location plus question marks that I've put around it, it had a 98 location plus. So I actually think he's going to dominate his next start. I don't know what that means for when he gets back up, <laughs> but I remain hopeful. I see a, a great foundation and this is more, you know, get your fastball right, you know, and you're going to be a fastball cutter change guy when you come back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And I think as long as the Rays just keep winning and keep preserving their lead in the AL East, that just keeps buying them more time to wait it out. If that gets closer in the next few weeks, then there's more pressure to bring a guy like Bradley up and use him as an upgrade over the weakest link in that rotation. It just sure. makes it harder to justify holding him when we start to lose hope that it's going to be a quick turnaround. And it becomes even more complicated with Tyler Glass now getting close to returning, right? Because instead of being one injury away, Taj Bradley could become two injuries away, depending on how things are going. It's encouraging to see that the model is still good, even though the results have been poor. I think while I wanted to hold him when he first got sent down, we all know that's a luxury. You can do it for a little while. Eventually, week three, week four of holding someone who's not coming back up, more guys get hurt, more guys are underperforming. You have to make a move in your redraft leagues. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm torn now. Like I'm I'm starting to look at him as someone that who might have to be dropped in redraft leagues, even though I was among the many people who threw a ton of fab in his direction. I'm starting to develop a really like sour taste about fab this year. I feel like it's just gotten out of control. Like it's worse than past years. People are more aggressive. We talked about it a little bit on the Friday show. If the minor league results are so skewed. And this would apply to hitters too, by the way. If pitching's all screwed up for all the reasons we talked about a few minutes ago, hitting performances in the minor leagues might not be as meaningful as we want them to be either. Tearing up a bunch of minor league pitchers who are working on stuff might not be as good as we think. You're bringing up something that's interesting, and I don't want to like poke at it or anything, but when like you're having this conversation... I definitely am not an elitist to be like, oh, you have to have your eyes on the players and stuff like that, even though I do. But it also it throws out it, it throws out an interesting question on a lot of the the prospect modeling that's going on and you know the stuff that kind of auto-generates statistics, especially sounding like from you, DVR, what value do you have in that type of stuff? Because I, I actually think it's incredibly valuable to have uh, these generated prospect lists that are just statistically based. So you can find names to look deeper into. I don't I don't particularly like the rank generations off of them, but I think they're very useful in identifying players. But as you poke even harder at minor league stats and we learn about players testing out things, you know, it's a lot less sticky, as uh, we would say here. It's a lot less sticky to look at that type of stuff and you know, build build your entire thesis off of players that uh, minor league stats might mean even less to you now with altered balls at different levels and different agendas and narratives that are going on. Because I don't disagree. I think it is tougher to buy into stats more and more. And that's why you want to have a familiarity of really what the game is. Yeah, I think that's the I mean, you. I know you need all the ingredients. I've never doubted Always. that. I know you need scouting. You need the ability to use numbers. You need the ability to do modeling. All of these things matter, but I think there are so many wrenches being thrown in at each spot. If you're using prospect lists and scouting evaluations, there could be bias in there based on where the player was well, drafted just think about or different what's things. What's happening at the major league level too? Yeah. And by the yeah. way, when I say modeling, I'm not New talking balls, about stuff plus modeling. Stuff enforcement, like there's all sorts of. Uh, 
There's all sorts of uh, of strange things happening in baseball right now. It's the run environment has has gone. 2019 was like the biggest home run year in the history of baseball. <laughs> and then three years or four years later, we had like a dead ball that was like, oh, OK, well, now we're back 15 years in terms of how the ball's flying. And now the ball's flying again. Not quite like 2019, but more like 2021. Like it's it's um, it's hard. And clarification is I'm not talking about like stuff plus modeling um, or some of the back end stuff. I actually think that might be the key. When I say um, the auto generated stuff, it's off of generating like hits and slugging percentage and kind of surface level stats, stats that we're talking about here. The key to breaking through that is getting hard hit numbers and getting stuff plus numbers. That's the key to kind of break out. And that's, I think, what makes a lot of whoever's able to use that makes that modeling better. But there are a lot of like, we just look at the statistics and we don't care about levels or age versus levels. And that's how we build it. And that is less sticky maybe than it's ever been before, which is, uh, you know, it's crazy. Minor leagues are crazy right now. It, it took <laughs> It took a lot, you know, for us to talk about Bryce Miller before. I feel a little vindicated to be able to talk about Bryce Miller. Bryce Miller is not someone statistically surface level that popped out to anybody in that first month because he was having poor results. But it's a matter of seeing the guy, talking to the guy, talking to other players about it, and being able to identify those players regardless of stats, which sometimes give us that little advantage. I'm going and off the rundown here for a that's second. That's fine. No, we can keep we can keep going off the rundown. Yeah, I mean, but, part of this part of this for me is that Bryce Miller, for all the young pitchers that we were drafting throughout draft season for redraft leagues, Bryce Miller was in that next level below. He was on prospect lists. He was on the radar for keeper leagues and dynasty leagues, of course. But took he an injury and another you know another pitcher to get to him. Well, they did but say he, he almost had the, the opportunity to make the roster. Sorry, David. they they had said in spring training like he was ready to be in that mm-hmm. rotation if they had a spot. I should listen to that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I know. know it's why I didn't but it was a lot of it was a lot of Andrew Painter and Kyle Harrison, Grayson Rodriguez going much much earlier than those guys. Hunter Brown fought like a lot. All those guys could still be good. I'm not saying we were total idiots. Everyone's wrong, and we all suck at this. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's amazing to me that with all the information we have, with all the tools at our disposal, the guys that come up and get 20, 25, 30% of people's fab budgets are guys we could have drafted and stashed just like the guys that we stashed that didn't get the opportunity. And something about that is driving me crazy right now because it's an inefficient use of in-season resources and it's a miss throwing those late darts well, would you have in certain kept drafts. Bryce Miller around for four weeks before he came up? I guess, would you? yeah, it's just... It, did people keep fought around? It's that's the other. It's like if you're in a league where fought was held, a redraft league where fought was held, then yeah, the but answer draft, is you draft champions, man, we should have all had Bryce Miller, Jesus, right? And <laughs> even Mason myself. Miller, even though he's hurt right now, but based yeah. on the stuff and the opportunity, and nobody had Mason Miller, like there was a big difference. Like Bryce Miller, sort of on that radar, was on that radar for some people. Mason Miller wasn't on that radar at all, as far as being actually drafted. Well, you had him in one of your pieces for the athletic as like a super deep sleeper. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, not our our dear friend Nando was kind enough to tweet that out of the clouds, by the way. But yeah, in uh, <laughs> my uh, my dynasty article I put together uh, preseason, I was also talking. This was actually like in a semi redrafty type of conversation as well. I did have Mason Miller in my AL prospects for people to watch because I did a hitter, a pitcher, and then a deep dynasty guy. So my 2023 AL sleeper was Mason Miller. 
And one of the guys too, Justin Durden was my hitter and he just won player of the week. So he, he didn't break camp. So that one didn't really <laughs> work out, but he's starting to pick it back up and hopefully he's going to make the, uh, the majors soon. There's a, this is the one I was going to, uh, to go off the rundown here real quick, but, uh, have you, uh, do you, have you ever heard of Ben Brown? Ben Brown with the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking at his, his minor league stats and, um, especially uh, ever since he came over to the Cubs, but also uh, last year with the Phillies in, in high A, uh, just wicked strikeout rates, like really nice strikeout rates, basically like a 33, 34% strikeout rate mm-hmm. um, in 130 innings uh, since he hit a ball with the Phillies. And it's supported by a really good swinging strike rate. And uh, if you go over to the Google Doc, uh, subscribers will find... Uh, that he is the newest entry into the top 10 uh, mm. in Stuff Plus in AAA. Um, so you've got, um, you know, you've got excellent, like, sort of statistics, like, stats, like, excellent result numbers. Model likes him. And you look over to Location Plus, but it's only one start. So you're saying, oh, okay, 78 Location Plus. But then you you start to look at, oh, well, he did have some bad walk rates and, oh, a 40, 45 command grade. And then you go into uh, the pitch level stuff for Ben Brown, and it's really strange. Uh, really good four-seam and good sinker, but mostly uh, really good four-seam, really good slider, and uh, then cutter and sinker. So is that enough? It might be and enough. And I, I think it could be. Command? It's also interesting you didn't mention the curveball because the Fangraph scouting grades have a 60-grade curveball for Ben Brown. The knock on him has always been the command. Stuff hates it. It's interesting, when, especially with a breaking pitch, when unless the, the scouting eye and, and the model are divergent on a pitch. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, unless the cutter is the slider and the slider is the curve. And we're seeing a lot of that. I, I'm not, I'm being very dicey about this stuff now, especially after what we saw with Baseball Savant, where it's like, it's if anyone saw uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, it's like that moment where it was like, no, you don't hit blue to talk. You have red is yellow and green is blue. People know what I'm talking about. It's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, it's like that moment of Baseball Savant right now with pitching. It's very difficult. Yeah, and then the minor league stuff, they don't clean up as much, so... Yeah. Ugh, another another complication. And on top of all this, Joe Sheehan had this tweet on Monday, and he's exactly right. He wrote, we've gotten so, so much worse at communicating the rhythms of the long season. Baseball is never meant to be covered like football. It would be nice if we stopped doing that. And I think that was directed well, more the at demands like, of media. I mean, like the journalism aspect of coverage of baseball. But Twitter brings out the worst in all of this, oof. where people want to just be first and right they want to be the one that had the gifts and the videos and, and scouting reports on players before they were good. Um, and I'm, I'm poking fun at our, our whole hobby in, a, in some sense with Ben Brown, the next $200 plus dollar fab picture. <laughs> but I, but I, it could I, happen. Not what I'm saying, but yeah, but we, I, the hype machine could get rolling. <laughs> that's all, all it's going to take for Ben Brown to do that is like two or three good, more good starts at AAA and then a promotion. And then before fab runs, he comes up and Some strikes out like ninja. eight guys. Oh, it, it, over it, all six it's going to take him, DVR, is coming up pitching on a Tuesday overlay. and striking out eight. It doesn't even matter what his minor league numbers are. And people oh, be no, like, we have the whole week to salivate. They'll have the whole, they'll be like, I missed out on Bryce Miller. So now here's where my $200 go. I 100% agree with what you're saying. Not recognizing that it is okay to like take a step back 
and know that there is another wave that will be coming into the near future. And that wave is, you know, ga- the, the elite guys, Gavin Williams. The next guy, if we're being honest here, I think Ben oh, Brown Gavin is a Williams great name. Jumped to the top 10 too. <laughs> yeah, but Matthew Libertor is probably that next guy. And he's going to mess I'm with everybody out. because, well, and see, it's interesting you say that because he has been putting up such good minor league numbers. People want him up. When he comes up, if he is dominant in one start, I'm going to tell you right now, that's the next 200 uh, dollar fab guy whether we like it or not he will be if he is good in his first start whenever he gets called up i i almost guarantee it yeah i'm, I'm out why are you out <laughs> by the way uh, i don't think it's a good fastball shape and yeah it's, I, he's trying what he can to like build around it but it's fundamentally not a good fastball shape lives up here's where i'm at now this is what this is what I'm looking for. This is this is my new scouting <laughs> method. I want players who have bad stats, like bad results in the minors, bad <laughs> scouting reports, and bad numbers in the models, because those are the only players you could have for next to nothing. I want discounts. I want bargains. I want players that people think are garbage. Has there anybody been like that? Across the board. That's doing well. <laughs> is there anybody that everyone mm. thinks is garbage? It's um I don't know, even if I said Ian Hamilton as a reliever. You'd say Ian Hamilton has a good slider. There's there's something about Ian Hamilton that probably would have. I think he just described Matt Libertor, though. By the way, I think he did just t- describe Matt Libertor with bad stats, <laughs> bad scouting reports, and bad model numbers. So I'm just pointing it out. That's your guy. That's your guy. DVR. But it comes <laughs> yeah, down. Ian to Hamilton's it. a good answer too, actually. But it's it's the stupid thing about this is it kind of works on some level. It's too extreme. You can't only play with players like this. But this is a game about opportunity. It's guys that play. You win by getting guys who play a lot because to play a lot, you have to play well for the most part. So right, like Gavin Williams has 113 stuff plus, fifth best in AAA, but there's two young guys in front of him. And, and Peyton we Badenfield. tried our best to get them into the rotation. What happens, you have to have more injury to get Gavin Williams up, I think. That's true. Yeah. This, is, uh, this has been a fun episode so far. Now I'm just staring at the injured pitchers in the rundown and I'm just angry. I mean, Mason Miller, elbow tightness, went back to the Bay Area. We'll see what further test reveal there that one the people who we are knew that was coming though you knew the risk you it was clear risk like it, I, I took the risk i'm not i'm not saying you're wrong if you did some guys sometimes guys are hurt for a little while and then they're not like that happens mm-hmm. we can you can't pretend like guys uh you know miss time and then only continue to miss time after that that's not that's not always the outcome although past injury predicts future injury it does. It hundred percent does. But everybody seems injured at some point. <laughs> well, and it just this year just feels like we're gonna see just a gross number of injuries. Ricky oh, Tiedemann hit the seven day IL mm. with some biceps discomfort. Oh. That's a potential big one for the Jays. It not seems like is time. he on the IL officially yet? The seven day IL. They didn't say anything about like a long long term oh, okay, absence right. for him yet. But it's, slightly it's, better news than when he he seemed like pointing at his arm and was walked off the mound immediately. I was like, oh god, that's TJ. So we'll see if anything else comes from that. And then since we last spoke, Daniel Espino had shoulder surgery. And that one's a little more like the Mason Miller where it's like, it's one thing after another. You know if you've been rostering him, if you traded for him. really spin it. He's going to be really good if he's ever healthy. But he's out 12 to 14 months because he had the anterior capsule <sighs> shoulder repair. shoulder is not good, dude. Anterior yeah. capsule. Isn't anterior capsule what happened to that guy um, who came to San Diego in the, uh, what trade was it? They came Anderson Espinoza. Oh, no, he had like two cha- Tommy Johns with the Padres. It was like almost back to back Tommy Johns. It's funny. I, yeah. I, I, I like saw him for like two and a half years in the backfields of the Padres. He was always walking around with just his arm in a sling because he Ugh. was just never pitching. Um, uh-huh. Do you think the Mason Miller one is going to be 
uh, season impactful that it's like we just caught him. Like it's going to be the type of injury where you're going to be out for the rest of the year based on his amount of innings and stuff like that. Because it's different than what's going on the rest of the year. But I think that no matter what they say, there's going to be a rest period. Well, and they're just going to be ultra careful with him if he feels anything. That's what I'm saying. So that that could be what's happening right now. This could be short IL stint back in a couple of weeks. I think if we get a timetable and it's more than two weeks, I think you probably have to think about dropping him, which is absolutely terrible. But there is a there is a problem people have with the, with sunk cost fallacy and being unwilling to drop players that they I, spent a lot of money on. Just that it's I I hear you, but I'm in the middle of nursing Taj Bradley along in my main event. <laughs> Let me know. just defend. I've got both of them. I'm, I'm defending saying. myself a little bit. You fell in love with them for a reason. Yeah, and so that reason still exists. It's not. I mean, I can appraise those two things and be like, okay, it's a song cause I should move on. But also there's a reason I love this guy. So if he was on the wire, I would want to pick him up. (laughs) So I shouldn't drop him just yet. So I don't know. The positive is sitting right next to Tyler glass now. And I feel like what I really want to do is put Tyler glass now in the, in the, (laughs) or that might be a different league. I, in one league, I have Taj Bradley and right next to Taj, Tyler Glasnow. I just want to put Tyler Glasnow in the starting lineup, and Taj Bradley becomes my new Tyler Glasnow that I just... And if you have an oh, IL, wait, no, you don't have guy. to worry about it. If you have an IL, if you're <laughs> not playing it, this isn't NFBC, you're okay. You don't have to make the yeah. big, tough decisions. And hopefully, people won't have Although to Bradley make that on Mason. Bradley is not on the IL, and you know, so that is hard in redrafts no matter what. That, that's a burnt yeah. bench spot. Yeah, it's uh, it's a shame because Mason Miller has looked really good so far. 21 and a third innings, 338 ERA, 0.98 whip, just over a strikeout per inning so far. Uh, just a matter of keeping him on the field. Uh, Yuri Perez, by the way, cruising at double A. He's one of the pitching prospects that I was pretty excited about throughout draft season. Really interesting arsenal. 42 to 9 strikeout to walk ratio in 31 innings so far. And he's gone at least five in each of his last five starts. So it really seems like the way they're using him, at least gives him a chance at seeing Miami by season's end because he's been pitching on regular rest every fifth day for his last couple of turns. Imagine that. They did it. They put him on the schedule to see, like, what happens? Does he does he feel okay? Does everything still move the way it's supposed to? He throws that power change like uh, Edward Cabrera, too. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like a high 90s. And he spent the entire offseason with Sandy Alcantara you know, probably learning and defining what that change looks like. Yuri Perez is that other guy. When you talk about the big names, it's like Yuri That's gonna and be Gavin Williams. Bid when he comes up. Yeah. yeah, but I think like we talked about with Evan Carter last week, Yuri's got to get to AAA. I think they need to see the AAA number. So it's a little bit, but that's that. what that next wave, that second half of the season, the next wave guys, Yuri will get some time this year, but it'll probably it may be take all others. the way till the trade deadline-ish to like trading away a starter, yeah. you know? It, mm-hmm. Like... You you sometimes you look at the standings and you're like, what are the Marlins gonna do? Seventeen and nineteen with a, a new general manager who wants to win. Are they gonna pack it in? Are they gonna keep going? How does that how does that figure into their appraisal of Braxton Garrett? You know, because if they're like, ah, it doesn't look like it's our year, then they you just keep putting Braxton Garrett out there to see if he's gonna be part of the next good team. And then they trade away, you know, somebody, Lizardo or Rogers or whatever Cabrera. I think Cabrera. He. I think he's been super inconsistent to the point that there's a there's a time where they can make a tough decision. You would trade away Edward Cabrera. I think they can. Yeah. I think. I mean. I think just because that would be the one that gets you the most back. You get most back, and then you'd have you know you have Yuri, you'd have Lazardo, you would have you would build off of Alcantara. 
uh, Yuri and Lazardo, and then you play with those other two spots, and they've got they've got guys. Like they got Trevor Rogers, Max Meyer's going to come back at some point. I mean, Rogers doesn't get you anything in a trade right now. Not nothing. Although I, he's been out there, I know this because I've talked to uh, other teams that are poking around on you know is Trevor Rogers good, and have asked me about what I think. <laughs> That's not a good sign. So, <laughs> yeah, so so Rogers is on the block, but I don't I don't know that uh, I don't know that anybody's biting, mm. despite some okay uh, model numbers. We had a, a relevant question uh, from one of our listeners. This is from Jesse. Jesse has to cut one of Rwanzi Contreras, Edward Cabrera, or Josiah Gray. I think Eno for sure is going to cut Josiah Gray. <laughs> Eno will never like Josiah Gray. Oh, why <laughs> not? Have that I right? mean. Maybe Josiah Gray is the guy you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, That's his fastball's down. down a little bit, but he's been so much more efficient. Is it immediately Josiah Gray over Edward Cabrera? Me, yes. Okay. Uh, I'm not getting rid but of the Rwanzi. numbers. Look okay. I, I just, I just don't trust. I, I think the home runs are going to come back. Although the, the cutter has helped him suppress some of that hard contact, but there, Josiah Gray is what we were talking about. My model doesn't like him. Sierra doesn't like him. I don't think anybody likes him. What I don't like is... He'll have a Cal Quantrill year where he just, for some reason, have a three ERA for the season. I'm not the Brutal. biggest fan of a seven walk per nine, which Edward Cabrera has so far in the year, just throwing out. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's, that's true. I'm going to dump Cabrera. The Ks are great, but he is walking at levels that starters can't. Uh, there's nothing supportive... In his like ERA, his expected ERA is four and a half right now. His home run to fly ball, it's almost one and a half um, homers per nine. I would just I'm be out. like, I can at least start him at home, right? His home run rate's got to be lower at home. <sighs> yeah, but his career, his career walk rate in the big leagues is 14%. And yeah, we're at 130 big league innings now. How many guys have thrown that many innings with a walk rate like that and gone on to figure it out? And maybe in the like bullpen. Thing I can look up really quickly. Yeah, I think he'd be a great I, I closer. Hope I hope so you how can old find it. Edward, I think he's 24? 25. 25? Yeah. Just, just turned 25 in April. Okay, I'm doing uh, filtering age to 25. How far back should I go? Mm, 2000, if you can go back that far. Yeah, I, I, 2000. The baseball that I can remember is about 2000. All right, so from 2000 to 2023, 14 to 25 years old. I just, you want me to do starters only? Let's do starters only. Let's starters say minimum, only. even just say minimum of 50 a minimum innings. Minimum of 100. Okay, do 100, do 100. It'll make the list 100 innings, 14 to 25, and I'm going to sort by walk rate in the wrong way. 14% Woo! is just, that's really high. Dude, it's not good. <laughs> no, no, it can't be. Did you <laughs> find Dylan Batances in there? Justin Dunn, oh. Jesse Foppert. This is in uh, order of, of bad walk rate. Justin okay. Dunn, Jesse Foppert, Kyle Drayback, Adam Lowen, Edward Cabrera, Robert Stevenson, Daniel Cabrera, Matt Clement, Rick and Keel, who is just a unicorn mm. and came back as a hitter anyway. <laughs> Joaquin Benoit, Colby Lewis at okay. 13%. Aaron Mayette, John Snyder, Damian Moss, Kaysen Gabbard, Kerry Wood, 12.3%. Oh, 12.3%. Mm. Okay. Kerry Wood's so if, the case. A if, lot of relievers if, if in there, Cabrera by the way. can push it down two percentage points over the rest of the year, he has a chance. I mean, it's not totally unlike Kerry Wood, right? Like just nasty, nasty stuff, you know. 
great strikeout rate, poor walk rate. So it's that, that Kerry Wood is your guy, except that's your hope. It's Kerry Wood. It's one and of you're, 16. It's walking. Daniel Cabrera. And you Daniel actually Cabrera, I should keep right? going, right? Jamie Wright, Adam Brandon Mullen. Finnegan, Oliver Perez, Seth McClung. A lot of relievers. Sean Newcomb, relievers. Alan Webster. You hurt my heart. Robinson Tejeda, Brandon Morrow, Carlos Hernandez. Oh, guys these are the all ba- the guys I fall for. Guys that got pushed to the relievers. back of the road, to, got pushed to the back of the bullpen yes. there too. There, that is his future, man. And I, mean, I think you said Daniel Cabrera kind of early in that. I remember Daniel yeah. Cabrera having electric stuff and no idea where it was going. He was one of those first pitchers like that where I was and watching even him when like, I, what if he could just locate even a little? How good could he be? Even when I get to, uh, so Mackenzie Gore is 28th on this. Edison Volquez is 30th. Edison Volquez so, is another good one. So once I get past the top 15, you got Kerry Wood, Mackenzie Gore, Edison Volquez. So you've got three guys who look like starters. Those guys average about 11.7%. So he has to improve greatly over the rest of this season to basically be considered a starter going forward, I think. Yeah, that's so, okay. Point. That's pretty, I, that's worse than I thought. If I had any doubts about it, I feel okay cutting Edward Cabrera. And if you think <laughs> oh, someone wow. in your league will trade you something for Edward Cabrera, by all means, pair him with Might someone else. Might be the time and, to shop him in Dynasty while he's still being out there as a starter. While there's something. Yeah. yeah. While he's a starter in a good pitcher's park where there's still plenty there to dream on, I think that would make. Uh, I mean, a we lot found of sense. three starters, and we're not even sure. Two, we're not even sure that two of them are good. I mean, Mackenzie Gore is still pretty young, and Edinson Volquez was not that good. Yeah. So. Well, and it, the frustrating thing about some players with that profile is you you think they're going to break through. You so you keep taking on all the all the water, all the bad ratios. You just keep letting oh, it in the boat, man. and it just. Yeah, I had to cut. Takes down. Yeah, I had like Shintaro Fujinami had good had good stuff numbers, and you know I I'm like, well, location plus doesn't stabilize quickly, but you know I had one start where I watched him, and I was just like, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't do this. So a question for both of you: Can Chase Silsith be a DVR guy? Can he have bad enough numbers in the model? Can he be low enough on prospect lists? Can I just have this guy and and just live with the consequences of a potential bad across the board plus mm. in AAA. Nice. A oh, uh, uh, the projections like him a little bit, but not a lot. I mean, Stupid like a four three projection, league average projection, five oh nine Sierra, four sixty Sierra for his career in the major leagues. He had way too good of numbers happen. for you in AAA though, so that's what's going to dice it up. He was way too good oh, in AAA yeah, this year. For he was you. dominant, Point, and he was AAA. good at Double A last year. Point so nine that's, ERA, that's but thing. a four three three xFIP. So we knew it was going to not be as good. Well, we'll see. Mm. I think I'll, I'll. I'm willing to give you him. Yeah, what okay. were the other names we had? I think Libertor so, so, is literally Josiah Gray. Is Libertor. the guy? Yeah. This is. These are our nobody likes them trio. Perfect. I like Libertor and I like Silsith, so I'll, I'll get them both. Leave, leave them alone, and you're fabulous this weekend, everybody. Keep them in like the three to five percent range, and I can go on with my life and continue being miserable. I thought I went too hard on Jason Adam with eleven dollars, and he's looking like one of my better pickups. Same. <laughs> That's brilliant. Eleven. You already got four saves out of him. I know it's probably worth eleven. That's worth a hundred. <laughs> it's worth ten times what you paid. That's what you're supposed to do in fab. <laughs> yeah. But it makes up for the dumb stuff. Oh, you know that we another like one is do. Bryce Elder. But, okay, yeah, Bryce Elder. But his his numbers, his projected numbers are too good, I guess. Well, but go, but when he first showed really. up, Not he really. wasn't hyped. 
because it seemed like a temporary opportunity. He wasn't. You this could have Bryce Elder prospect. on this list. I think you almost he have a whole rotation in AAA. I'm getting yeah. there. You need one more guy to fill out your your garbage uh, pitcher rotation. <laughs> oh, I know. I know the model didn't like either one of Dylan Dodd or Jared Schuster. Just about right? to say Dylan Dodd for you. I was just about to give him to you. Yeah, oh, that's that's. I almost I'm think live. that you should rather get Dodd or Schuster because projections are okay for Elder. Dodd, I think, yeah. would well, be the play here because Schuster was like the number one prospect in their system for some bit. So I think Dylan Dodd fits your model, fits the DVR you, garbage model. We got your poop. We the got anti model. Yeah. <laughs> the anti model. <laughs> the anti model. Just give me all the players nobody wants, and let me see if I can just do okay. We should just team. inverse it. We'll call it like the lodum. We'll just inverse the words of model, and that'll be the DVR lodum. <laughs> lodum. <Yeah. laughs> As in lodum up. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Fantastic. A couple of other news items that might be of interest. Casey Schmidt called up by the Giants. Not an elite guy. Could play a lot, though, because they mix and match around the infield. He can play all over the place. Corresponding move was Darren Ruff being DFA'd. What do you think about Casey Schmidt? He's an elite defender. When Marco Luciano got hurt, they put Casey Schmidt short. And he did fine. So, you know, I, I see that plus the fact that he really cut his K rate this year in the minors and see like he might end up being the kind of glue that this team needs because they they're doing okay getting a lot of uh, good defense out of uh, people that don't play good defense normally um but uh at some point they just need some youth uh and I I wonder did he play anywhere in the outfield because their outfield needs help I think he's been strictly no. an infield guy he has been. Yeah, he's kind so, of. A but I wonder guy. if I wonder if he's going to start taking some games at second because Brandon Crawford uh, is oft injured and de-emphasized and a free agent to be, um, and so I wonder is maybe Schmidt going to play short or Tyra Strada plays short and Schmidt plays second. I mean, th- there are the best defensive arrangement for this team includes Casey Schmidt. So that's good for his playing time. I think the line for picking him up is still probably going to be mostly NL-only leagues because look at the numbers as he's moved through the system. Above high A, Casey Schmidt has hit five home runs in 65 games. So I think you're going to get average. It's probably like a David Fletcher sort of profile as far as the the Mm -hmm. roto comps go. He might not steal a ton of bases, could give you a non-zero in that category. So it's basically average in some counting stats if the glove gets in the lineup. Fly ball rates are all over the place. Like he he looks like he's trying to hit for power and then maybe stop trying to hit for power. I've been trying to think of like who he like, you know, who reminds me of like, remember James Loney? James Loney would hit Mm -hmm. for contact, but just didn't have the big power, especially early on. Like that's a kind of a similar approach. And I think the Giants in the lower levels will work a lot on like guys like high on base percentages and stuff like that. And I'm not sure he's made the big transition to being a power hitter. He did hit 21, I think, in 2022, but 17 of those came at high A, like you mentioned. So it was a big, big, large amount at uh, low A ball. So I don't know if he's even made that transition. And I'm not sure he does make that transition because it's a plus defender who makes contact. And I don't think they're going to worry about like traditional first base stats, you know, he 25 might plus just homers. be roster glue. Yeah, he might. Yeah, it might be just a utility guy, like you said, because he is he's versatile around. I think he, like it's NL or like really deep leagues. If you're struggling, um, he might get some more roster versatility. He might go up against Brett Wisely for playing time. Wisely has yeah. been playing some some outfield though, um, and that's important because they don't really have a true center fielder. Um, 
But Wisely's projections are also kind of boring uh, offensively, so uh, they may there may be a little bit of a competition there to see who gets who stays up, who gets sent. Von Brown Wisely would be has guy. had plus plus walk rates. So. Watch for Von Brown at some point. He's got to move up the system a little bit. He was hurt, but he's like. I don't know how much longer you can keep down. He's like 24 at like I don't, high A or I whatever. I don't want to play Mike Yastrzemski in center. Yeah, I think Ron we're done. Ron Brown can that. play center, right? Yeah, I think he can play all across. So he might move yeah. up the system, and he might be a guy later in the year people can look at. I mean, their biggest needs are defensively up the middle. So, I mean, maybe they're checking out Casey Schmidt to be their shortstop of the future. That'd be a little bit pushing his defense, I think, um, further than it might be able to go. But... Like if you if you see the Giants auditioning somebody at short or in center, I would take well notice. Like Sable might end up, you know, sticking with his team and getting more playing time than people think because he can catch. And mm-hmm. if they decide that his combination of catching an offense is superior to Bart's, like that that might flip. So they are really looking for something up the middle. What do you think about uh, Dominic Fletcher possibly wrestling playing time away from Alec Thomas Welsh? Is this a, a reality? Because I was looking at Thomas as a potential longer-term by low whose X stats were actually a lot better than his actual stats because of his defense. I thought he'd continue to play. Uh, this it, it looks like a possible problem brewing playing time-wise for Thomas. Yeah, unfortunately, because like you said, the you go and look at baseball savant and it's just red. You can just see all this underlying stuff that's just waiting to brew and pop up. But Fletcher's a guy I've been talking about for a while. And here's why I think he hurts, because that offense has picked up in other spots. Perdomo has picked up and been a real offensive force. And what I think that ends up doing is it leaves them this spot where they can say, we can value a guy that isn't going to hurt us enough on the field. And what I mean by that is like, he doesn't strike out or uh, uh, at the plate. He does not a big strikeout guy. He's 18% in the major so far, 14%. He walks, he plays great defense. He can run and he makes contact. He's a points league player. So in that respect, that totality of it, it could be better than Alec Thomas because he's just not hurting you as far as striking out. And he's just a good physical outfielder, but I just don't think it's going to come at the expense of Alec Thomas pulling a Jake McCarthy and being sent down. I think Alec is here to stay. They want to see him work through it, but I can see Fletcher hanging around for quite some time. So I still lean Alec Thomas full season, but I think Dom Fletcher is just a good, he's not a good fantasy player, but he's a good baseball player that fits the team need and kind of the construction of what they've got. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, as much as we like X stats and all the underlying numbers, teams need results. If they're getting results yeah. from someone else, they're not going to be as patient as we would want them to be. And every game matters right now for the D-backs. Is it happening for Geraldo Perdomo? I'm just saying, Perdomo, Fletcher has crazy BABIPs in the minors, like like near 400 BABIPs in the minors. And you're just, you're just like, is that just bad defenses? Is that just putting the ball play over and over again? It could be part of that. Uh, on the Perdomo is one of your guys. I could just can't believe it. I don't believe it. There was nothing to say this was coming. You tried to convince me, and I didn't believe you. And it's here, and I still don't believe it. What's always stood out to me with Perdomo, guns. I interviewed uh, Christian Robinson years and years ago when he actually played baseball. You know, now he's back and he's playing baseball again. It feels like the last time I talked to him was when he was actually playing. And I had asked him at the time. I was like, "Who's a player?" That's, that everyone needs to be on the lookout for. And he instantly was like, Geraldo Perdomo. Perdomo is the guy. And I had just at that moment seen, uh, or like a couple days prior, I saw him hit his first professional homer. And like the way he could turn on the ball was there, but he turned into such a, 
kind of ground ball slappy hitter in the Deep AFL. Power, he was always young at his age, no and he power. just retransformed his approach. And I think it's real because he's not striking out. He's walking more. He's much better concerted decisions if you actually watch him. And again, I think he's a huge piece to, of what's giving this team flexibility and why they can make McCarthy go away, why Nick Ahmed is becoming less valuable. It's a gold glove uh, shortstop that they don't need to play every single day. And I, I don't think he's like a 2020 guy, but I think Perdomo can be like a 15-10 or 10-15, one of those other ways of a player on this team. And I'm going to just throw out one other guy to pay attention to is Dominic Canzone. That's a player, if there's any injuries, we should pay attention to with the Diamondbacks because he's a real power bat killing it in AAA that could come up if Fletcher doesn't work out and they let go of Thomas. But uh, you were going to speak on Perdomo, you know? Oh, just no barrels. Yeah, Zero he barrels. Hit the ball hard at all. That's just, weird. He does not hit the ball hard. I don't even know how he's hit seven home runs so far because he's a 2% barrel rate. Because <laughs> every barrel he hits is a home run. I, I, mm, I'm not going to do it. But I'm see, this is, this is where he's living in the, the Lodum range right now because statistically it doesn't look good (laughs) (laughs) he's right there he's a switch hitting shortstop he's 6'2 203 pounds he should hit the ball hard so when you watch him projected for a 79 wrc plus by the batter it might have one of the most alarming uh batting average to expect a batting average differences in baseball that i have seen (laughs) if you look he's got a uh according to fan graphs a three 80 batting average with a 239 expected batting and average. And that 239 is exactly where he's projected. So <laughs> I'm 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 gonna I'm hanging out with the models. You can hang out with the Lodum. Yeah. <laughs> been hanging out with the Lodums my entire life. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> on that note, uh, I think we'll go. We're gonna get some mailbag questions on the show next week. So if you have some long-term league questions and even stuff about like current rookies and young players, we'll certainly try to get as many of those as we can. Because we're getting far enough into the season where if you're worried about MJ Melendez or Miguel Vargas or Tristan Cassis or anyone like that, it's an appropriate time to dig in and, and see if there's an actual underlying flaw because we're starting to get enough information where we can make a little bit more of a judgment call yeah uh, i've also i uh, can let you guys know if you guys want to be on the lookout uh, on the athletic in the next uh, 24 48 hours i will have a prospect article of some high-rising fantasy prospects that have changed value that you guys need to be a pain paying attention not just for redraft but just for overall so be on the lookout for that uh like i said next day or two over on the athletic there you go and to see that, you're going to need to be a subscriber. You can get a subscription for a dollar a month for the first year at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. You can find us on Twitter. Eno's at Eno Saris. Welsh is at Is It the Welsh. And I am at Derek Van Riper. That's going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. 